Amen to that. I trust today that you are your your heart is on fire for the Lord, and and uh, and you recognize that that He loves you. He loves you with all with all His being and all His fiber of who He is, because uh, it demonstrated through the cross event, which we'll be celebrating as we're already into the Lenten season. I want to get a shout out to those in Ireland that listen to me every week. A band of about thirteen of you ladies and men in Ireland. I want to give you a shout out. I hope you continue to do that. Those in Maine, Georgia, Colorado, Utah, uh, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, of course here in South Carolina, obviously, and those in North Carolina, even those in Florida from time to time. I want to give a shout out to all of you guys. Uh, you make my day knowing that you're a part of us every, every week. But anyway, today I want to preach a message to you that's entitled, Unwrapping Your Spiritual Gift. Unwrapping your spiritual gift. I don't know about you, but I've struggled with the fact throughout the years of trying to figure out what that spiritual gift is or spiritual gifts are. And I know that you're like me. You, you sometimes, depending on what's going on in your life, you may say, well, today I know what my spiritual gift is. Tomorrow I may not be just because of the way we feel emotionally. But spiritual gifts aren't based on emotion. It's based on the gift of the grace of God given to us in life. And, and God wants us to unwrap that spiritual gift he wants us to understand what, it's, what, it's, what it is, what it's about, what it means, how we're to serve Him through the spiritual giftedness of who we are. It's a kind of like, keep in mind as we think about this message as what makes you tick and talk, okay, spiritually. What makes you tick and talk spiritually, what you really like to do, what God kind of blesses you with, the skills that you have and the talents. And then on top of that, you multiply that to the grace gift that He gives you and it just magnifies and amplifies to something greater. Hopefully this message will make sense as we go through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 14 is the context of our passage. It's actually one that our Sunday school class studied about three weeks ago together. And I am going to bring out a couple of things who's in that class with us, but that's okay. Uh, some of the stuff that you even mentioned to me that, those evenings. But beginning in verse 1, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, about matters of the Spirit. Brothers, I do not want you to be unaware. You know how when you were pagans, you were led to, to, to idols uh, being led astray. Therefore, I'm informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one uh, can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what it's setting up for. Now, you look, you look at the context. It's kind of like he's, he's saying, all right, guys, you know, you, you belong to the Lord. You understand the Spirit at work in your life. And by knowing what God has done for you and through you, now understand what He's going to do in you. Now, these are the different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And these, there are different activities, but the same God is active in everyone and in everything. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. Did you hear that? The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. Not, not your neighbor, not someone you, th you love, someone who you see uh, doing, doing the work of ministry, each person, that's you and that's me. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. To another, interpretation of languages. But one and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each one as He wills. For as the body is one, and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We are all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. Now we'll go back to a few other things in that passage that it continues on. 
talking about the eye and the ear and the foot and the hand, etc. But unwrapping that gift. Now, as a child, Christmas morning, I'm sure, was exciting for all of us. Just kind of revert back in your mind and think about the time that you were sitting there and all of a sudden you, said you were told you can dive into your presence and how you started unwrapping all those gifts as a child. Well, if you were like me with other brothers and sisters, you know, you played most of the day and you ate to your heart's content. Sometimes my brother and sister and I would play well together. We'd share our toys, we'd share our gifts, and then other times it's all about me. It's mine and leave it alone. Still, it becomes a fun-filled day. Like children running to open the gifts on Christmas morning, you and I as followers of Christ should have the same anticipation should have the same excitement about unwrapping the spiritual gift or the spiritual giftedness that God has given to each of us. You see, God is a gift-giving God. I think you understand that statement. If you've ever been the recipient of answered prayer or ever been the recipient of a time in which you realize God working in your life or ever been the recipient of where you prayed for something and, and you felt God's presence. You understand how God is a gift-giving God. But we're talking about the actual gifts that He gives us. Now, for many of us, we think the pastors and teachers are the ones that stand out as having the ultimate gifts. But there's no gift more important than the other. All gifts are important together. As the body in Christ, all are important. No one stands out any more than the other. No one's more important than the other. We're all on equal plane. We're all equals together because we're one body in Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. We are the bride and he controls the bride. We love him. We give him our heart and he leads us. He guides us and directs us. So we're all together. So as we understand that, we're talking about not only the fact that we have been secured in an eternal relationship as believers, knowing that that security is there, there is the gift of salvation and the gift of spiritual gifts that we can participate in what He is doing through us to redeem the world. So think of, the, think of this as we go through this message. The reason why you and I are gifted is so that we can perpetuate the redemption of the world. So God can work through us to continue to redeem each and every individual. If you are a part of someone's life and you can rejoice over the fact that who you are and what you've done for them led them to Christ, then you are a part of that function. You understand that joy. You understand the redeeming part of the function of a spiritual gift. God is at work and we're invited to join Him. Now, if, if I wouldn't have been here, the illustration that I'm getting ready to share with you, I probably would have a hard time believing it. But I saw it, I felt it, I heard it, I experienced it, and I saw salvation come at the end result. In, in, in seminary, one of the things years ago back in the 90s that was very popular in the 80s as well was CWT training, Christian Witness Training. Every seminarian, whether they were in uh, education, whether they're in music ministry, whether in the, the school of divinity, which is for pastors, you had to go through CWT, the Christian Witness Training. It was a class that you went through through a whole semester, and you learned about evangelism. You learned all the scriptures that you needed to talk about leading someone to Christ. You spent a lot of time in prayer in class. You assimilated the witnessing through your, your, your colleagues in class. And then, before the class comes to a close, each and every one had to spend at least one week on the field out there practicing and carrying forth the CWT training, the Christian Witness Training. We were in Fort Worth, Texas, and I was a bit nervous going around in Fort Worth not knowing where we're going, who we're going to see, because, you know, crime was all around us. It just made us a little nervous. And, uh, 
and not knowing if we were going to knock on someone's door and if they could even understand English because we had a lot of, um, you know, Hispanics in the area that we were at. And so the night before, on Friday night, we were supposed to go starting that Saturday morning. My leader uh, calls me and I said, hey, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm getting out of this CWT because he's calling to tell me that we've got three inches of snow on the ground and it's not stopping, so therefore it's going to be impassable, so therefore I'm going to get out of this CWT training. And he said, oh, I'll just call him to check and make sure you'll be ready by 8.30 in the morning when I pick you up. And I said, what are you talking about? It's, it's snowing and it's icing over outside. He said, hey, they guaranteed people are going to be home. I've got a four, I, yeah. He said, I got a four-wheel drive, don't worry. I'll get us where we got to go. And so we went, went out, just as he said, and right before we go to this house that he had an address of, because he had he'd called ahead of time, and they knew we were coming, and we were outside their door, and we noticed a few people were sitting on the porch, even in that cold temperature. And he said, well, before we go in, let's have prayer together. And so we prayed together. God would lead us, proceed us, go in there, and all that good stuff into the the meeting or into the house. And so we go up to the door and when the person answers the door, they're not speaking one lick of English. A few people had broken English that was on the porch. And I looked at him and I said, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know. I don't speak English. He said, I'm just going to let God lead me. I said, okay. He said, well, you stay out here since they can speak English. You talk with the ones here on the porch. I'll go inside. The door was open as a screen door. And this is what happened. Beautiful experience. Every word I heard come out of my leader's mouth was Spanish. And he led that entire family in the middle of their living room to the Lord in Spanish. And here I am trying to get through broken English and listen to it at the same time, overwhelmed with what's happening is I'm able to pray with those each individuals and lead, go through the... I would love to say everyone on the front porch committed their life to Christ, but I was so green at it, uh, it, it didn't work that way. But I did leave them with prayer, and we loved on them, and we congratulated the whole family. And when we was going back to the car, I said, I thought you said you didn't speak Spanish. He said, I don't. I said, then that's all I heard come out of your mouth. He said, God gave me the gift of language when I walked in that house. I said, well, tell me something in Spanish. He said, I can't speak it. Powerful. You see, God was at work redeeming that family unto himself. And this one leader walks into that door and God uses his voice and his heart and led that family to Christ. That's what Spiritual giftedness is all about. And yet when you and I understand that God has a purpose in our lives, we will be attentive. Our eyes and ears will be open. Our spiritual antenna will be up. And we will be ready to receive God's grace given to us as a gift of service unto Him. Jesus did not pay the price of a crucifixion death so that we could sit happily at home with a remote control in hand so that we can have the fastest and furious version of Honda Civic. No, Jesus paid the price. That's a movie, by the way. Jesus paid the price so that we could have a life of eternal purpose for His glory and for His honor. He gave to each of us a gift of His Spirit in order so that to be a functioning member of his body called the church. The Bible has a lot to say about spiritual giftedness. It's all throughout the scriptures. And yet in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, as we said a moment ago, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person to produce what is beneficial. That day in Fort Worth, Texas, I watched the manifestation of a gift given to a friend of mine that was beneficial not for him, not for me, but for the kingdom of God, for the entire church body. And I watched that happen before my eyes. The gift is for the common good of the church. A spiritual gift is not given so that it tears the church down. It's given so that it builds the church up. 
And yet it's not a special attribute or a personality or a talent we're talking about. Even though God uses those attributes, He uses those talents, and He uses those personalities. The gift is a manifestation of God's Holy Spirit in the follower's life that is supernaturally empowering to that one person to serve as a member of the body of Christ. And that's powerful when you and I realize together that God is, as Judy prayed a moment ago, a fresh anointing falls upon us at that very time, that God is using us to function as a body. So let me give you some basic truths about spiritual gifts that I think can help us in our quest to live as God has created us to be. Remember, you are not what others say you are. You are what God has created you to be. You are not what others say you are. You are what God has created you to be. And if He's created you to be, He's going to create you to be in for His ministry. He's going to get you into the doing and He's going to get you into the motion of functioning as an important part, member of the body of Christ. So the spiritual gifts are like parts of the body. And yet every part, number one, belongs and has a reason for being in the body. You see, Paul, the missionary, in tune with his pur purpose in life, used the analogy in verses 14 and 16. I stopped reading in verse 14, but in 15 it says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Now God has placed the parts, each one of them, in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now these are many parts yet one body. So every part belongs and has a reason for being a part of this body. If the eye can't say to the ear that because it is not an eye, it doesn't belong to the body, Paul says that's nonsense because the eye and the ear and the hand and the foot and the mouth and the legs and all a part of an important part of the makeup of the body. If the whole body were an eye, no one would smell anything. So no matter the gift that God has given you, you belong to the body of Christ. No one can say you do not belong. You are important. That's why when you're absent, we feel the absence. That's why when you're sick or someone's sick, we feel the pain. When someone dies, we grieve together. All those things, why? Because we are a part of a body. The Bible says, now God has placed every part, each of them, in the body just as He wanted in verse 18. And if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to the body of Christ. You understand that you are a part, a very important part of this body. Now number two, every part needs the other parts. Every part needs the other parts. Again, Paul reminds us that the eye, who must obviously be very proud of himself because it's mentioned over and over throughout that passage. <laughs> he said, if, if, if the eye says, I don't need you, and if that were true, you could see that food, but couldn't, the, the food wouldn't be there for the mouth if it was just an eye that was important. An eye without a hand would be a disadvantage. The eye and the hand need to work together. That's why we get the phrase eye, hand, coordination. The two run hand in hand, or eye in eye. For those parts that seem less important, they're necessary for the body. In verses 24 and 25 of that same chapter, it goes on to say this, but our presentable parts, which I think is kind of amusing because sometimes when I look in the mirror, I'm thinking, oh boy, I'm glad I got clothing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together given greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, 
but that the members would have the same concern for each other. You see, those parts are important. For example, although the thyroid gland is small and unseen, let that thyroid gland get sick and the whole body gets sick. You can't say to anyone in your group, we don't need you. I don't need you foot today. I don't need you hand today. I don't need you ear. We can't say that. We need all those parts as a part of a true body. And yet, yet understanding that, that God has made it clear that everyone who is a part of the church has a useful function even if we can't see it clearly. Number three, spiritual gifts itself contribute to the body. Your gift is used in order to help the body of Christ function in the world. You remember it was Christ who said, greater things you will do than I have done. How in the world could I ever do greater things than Christ has done? Well, when you magnify it through the, the body of Christ, we're going to travel, we're going to accomplish things, we're going to go places, we're going to reach more people, we're going we're to expand ourselves in ways in which Christ was one on earth, now we are many. And many of those are parts of the body, and those many parts of the body reach out in function for the kingdom of God as the church. The spiritual gift of service is the hand of Christ to the world. Yet people with this, this gift performs the acts of service, and yet they demonstrate God's love to others. I know we've all been a recipient of someone who's done something good for us in the name of Christ. And yet, why is that? Because they have the gift of service. They recognize that the way they function is to do something for someone else. It's closely akin to the gift of helps. It also is attached to the gift of mercy. All those gifts seem to have a complementary factor involved. Another example is the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement. You ever had someone when you're down, they just, they look at the positive side. You may have 101 fever and they're thinking, this is the greatest day in the world. And by the time you get through the conversation, regardless of how you really feel, you start getting pepped up. They just have that gift of encouragement, the exhortation. And yet they lift you up. They help, help the discouraged see courage. They help someone who, who is having trouble walking understand that they can walk. They help people to realize that when things look gloomy and all it looks like is cloudy and, and rainy, behind the clouds and rain is the sunshine. The list of spiritual gifts go on and on. You have a gift given by God, and when you trusted Christ, that manifestation of the Holy Spirit is active in your life. It's not put aside, and you're gifted for a function and for a purpose. This gift means that you belong to the body and you have a place of service in the world. All right, pastor, I hear you. I understand and I believe theologically everything you're saying in Scripture, but the question still remains, how can I discover the gift that God has given me through faith? That's the question we struggle with. That's where we look at the scriptures and we say, you know, I can think of everybody else who has the gift of service or the gift of mercy or the gift of preaching or the gift of teaching. I can think of someone else who has the gift of help or the gift of prayer or the gift of discernment. I can think of someone else who has, has another gift. But how about me? What is my gift? How do I discover that? Well, guys, first of all, and this is the exciting part about it, just as, and I firmly believe that if the, my friend and I would have never asked God to intercede and precede us before we go through the, gone through the threshold of that home, I firmly believe we'd have fell flat on our face. So number one, in discovering your gift is you've got to spend time praying about it. You've got to spend time praying to the one who gave you the gift. As we open the presents on Christmas morning, we look at everyone in the room, thank you, thank you, thank you. And as a child, we look at mom and dad, thank you, thank you. We just, we just start thanking whoever's listening, thank you, thank you. We've got this beautiful gift or gifts. 
The same must be about your spiritual gift. It is a thank you. It's a thank you to God. God, thank you that you thought so much of me to manifest your spirit in power in me in daily life to receive a gift from you so that I can be a part your kingdom's work and can help function in this world and be a part of the redemptive plan that you put in place ever since Adam and Eve sinned. That you have been working through all of this through, the, through Christ, through his death, through his resurrection, and I'm a resurrecting believer, and I'm a part of that, and thank you, God, that you have gifted me to help you to co-labor along with you in this wonderful kingdom. We've got to pray to God and ask God for the opportunities so that we can learn what that spiritual gift is, the function of that spiritual gift through my life so that I can be a part of the functioning of the body of Christ. Like an apprentice who asked the master craftsman for a tool, your prayer for questions will lead you to God's plan for why he has given you this gift or gifts. The giver of the gift is the best guide to show us how to use it. My first sermon that I preached in an evangelistic setting was when I was in college and we were on what was called the Say Yes Revival Teams. And we had two revivals a week all through the summer of June, July, and August. We had training the first week of June. We had a decommissioning the last week of August. So from the second week of June to the third week of August, we were traveling from church to church, two churches a week, Sunday through Wednesday. Travel day was Thursday. Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning was the next revival. So you had a four-day revival and you had a three-day revival and one travel event. And they would house us to each church we went. And I remember the training. We were heading to White Oak Conference Center that's up in the Columbia area, off to the um, kind of the northwest side of Columbia. And our director of, of evangelism and discipleship for the state was training us. And I rode with him and I said, Dr. Mackey, um, you haven't told us who's preaching, so I assume you're preaching today. He said, I didn't tell you. You are. I said, Dr. Mackey, what do you mean I am? He said, you're going to preach. Well, I'm not prepared to preach. He said, it's not about you. It's about God, and you're going to preach. Your name's in the bulletin. You're going to preach. So on the steps of Second Baptist in, up, up near Darling and Bill's stomping ground of uh, Great Falls, it's, to me at that time seemed like it was... a a ladder to heaven of the steps that were going up to the front of the church. It probably only was about six or seven steps with a railing. But to this day, it feels like it was 58 steps. And each step I took, my weight was felt in my knees and my legs. And the closer I got to the door, the more nauseous I got. And the group goes in. Everybody's excited and happy because they're not preaching. I'm the one doing it. And as they go in and the last person's got the hand on the door and said, you coming? I leaned over into the bushes over the railing and I got rid of every bit of breakfast, supper, and lunch for the last week. And I sat there miserable on the front pew thinking, oh no, one of the most embarrassing moments is going to happen. I'm going to do it right in front of everybody in the pulpit. But I remember when I stood to preach and I remember to this day that every bit of concern, worry that was bothering me, that was a heavy weight, just dissipated. And I remembered what my youth group leaders said to me at Lakewood Baptist Church in Georgetown, South Carolina. Said, Benji, you have been gifted with the gift of prophecy, the gift of proclamation. And if you're given a gift, God will not let you fail in that gift. And so I spoke that day to that crowd that seemed again to be enormous. 
maybe a couple of hundred people, but it looked like 5,000. And they were hungry, ready for some bread and fish too. And I preached that day. The giver of the gift is the best guide to show you how to use it. Number two is in order to understand, to discover the gift that God has given you, you've got to study the scriptures. You've got to trace those scriptures. You've got to study them and you've got to see what those scriptures are in all of the giftedness that God has given to all of us. In fact, when you leave today, mine's in two parts, but it's all on one sheet. On the back table, when you leave today, is a one sheet that I've taken the time to list, according to scriptures, all the gifts that are in the New Testament and some selected passages that reference the Old Testament as well as the New. So that maybe that will help you to understand what are all of the spiritual gifts that the scriptures speak about. You've got to study the scriptures. God has revealed his purposes through the spiritual gift, gifts of the Bible. You'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we're in, that you saw a list a moment ago or heard a list a moment ago that we read. And yet it is the gift of administration, the gift of apostleship, the gift of discernment, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of help, the gift of knowledge, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of teaching, the gift of tongues, the tongues interpretation, the gift of wisdom. You'll see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 8, you'll see the gift of exhortation, which is also in kin to the gift of prophecy, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, the gift of prophecy again mentioned, the gift of service, the gift of teaching. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, again is mentioned the gift of apostleship, the gift of evangelism, the gift of being a pastor, a gift of prophecy, a gift of teaching. There are other selected passages that, that even have a gift of celibacy, a gift of hospitality, the gift of martyrdom, the gift of missionary, the gift of voluntary poverty. There are many gifts that Paul mentions all throughout Scripture that are gifts. And when you hear that list, you fall in the category of those gifts. And yet when you think about your personality and you think about your talents and you think about what makes you tick and talk, God is very aware. Remember, you're not what others say you are. You are what God has created you to be. And if he's created you to be, he's created you with a function. He's created you with giftedness and he is going to manifest his spirit through you and help that gift come alive. And all those gifts are there for you and I to discover, study, pray about and ask God to help us in the giftedness when we fall into those categories and say, aha, this is where I'm at. All right, let me give you an example. Do you cry easy? when you're around someone who's crying? Well, if you are, you probably have two gifts, the gift of helps and the gift of mercy. If you have the gift of helps, and that's what makes you tick and talk, you probably have the gift of service. All right, do you, do you love praying? Do you love praying? Do you believe in prayer? Now, there's one lady, she's not here this morning. In fact, they're, they're out getting their vaccination today as Dequants. Now, Dequants needs to work for DOT. She needs to work for the Department of Transportation. You know why? Because she can pray a road through a mountain. She don't need pavement. She believes in prayer and she can move a mountain. And I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen in the prayer group that meets on Mondays. You understand what I'm saying. And yet the gift of prayer if you love praying and that's what makes you tick and talk and you, you love spending time with God, you love talking to him and you can visualize him as your father. You can visualize yourself sitting at the feet of the father, looking up to him. Oh, daddy, I've got something I need to talk with you about today. You've got the gift of prayer. Have you ever been to a point in which that you, 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 you can't get enough of study? You can't get enough of scripture? 
you get into the word and you study it and you begin to read it and then a half hour goes by, an hour goes by and you realize, man, where's time gone? And, 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 and you know you've got to close it and get on with certain things in your life, but you hate to do it and it stays on your mind all day. All right, more than likely you have a part of that gift of two things, that of exhortation, of encouragement that comes from the scripture as well as the gift of teaching. You love being taught and you love to teach it. Those are the things you've got to pray about and study about. Have you ever had the natural tendency where you, you go out and you say to someone, you say, hey, I want to ask you a, a great question. Don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If you have no, nothing that holds you back from saying that, and you're not, you're not fearful of rejection, you're not fearful of, of what they're going to say back. You're not scared of what they say. Well, no, I have never received him. Can you tell me how? You know what to do. You know, look at the scriptures and say, well, you know, he, he died for us. Yet we, he knew we were sinners, but Christ died for us. And if you believe on your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and confess with your mouth, then you shall be saved. And all that call upon him shall be saved. Will you call upon him? Guess what? That's the gift of evangelism. On and on we go. Go to the Bible first and then read what others have written about the gifts. It's all right there in Scripture. Number three, ask those who know you well. Ask those who know you well what your spiritual gift is. You want an eye-opening experience? Go up to them and say, you know, I don't know my spiritual giftedness. Can you tell me? I promise you they're going to tell you. Because they're watching you. And they see the good. And they hear what you're saying. And they're going to tell you based on, yes, it may be based on your personality, your talent and skills, that they know who you are and what makes you tick and talk. And they'll help you discover it. If it wasn't for the people that surrounded me, I remember sitting there. When I first joined a youth group, I didn't know if, if, if Noah was a book of the Bible or he was a character of the Bible. When they did sword drills, you remember sword drills years ago where you would hold your Bible open and they would, they would shout out a scripture and you go through the scripture and you try to find it and be the first one and the first one who finds it reads it out loud into the group? I couldn't even, I was the one that never found the scripture until I went up to Mary Jo Troublefield and Alex Troublefield who was the youth leaders and I said, is there any way that you can tell me the scriptures before you call them out? <laughs> And so they did that for me one time. And I had them all marked. And that's where I got. If you ever look at my Bible, you're going to see all kinds of paper clips. I paper clip so many things. And I do that because of the fact that I'm just not fast in finding it. I know the books are there now, but at the time, I didn't know them. I didn't know if there was 39 or 66. I didn't know if there were 12 books or if there was... Uh, 15 books. I didn't know where they was. I didn't know if where Micah was as well as the Gospel of John. I didn't know if Joan of Arc was really the wife of Moses or not. <laughs> I did not understand that. And they gave it to me that day and I had it marked. And I waited a few seconds to be smart enough, you know, wait a few seconds. I got it. All right, Benji, you found it. Why don't you read it for us? And that began... What, what for me began the process and over and over I would speak or I would say something. They would say, Benji, there's something you got. Listen to us. You can preach. You can teach. And I was a shy little boy. I could not stand to be in a crowd. And today, if you put me in a crowd that I do not know, you will see me back up. That's just my natural tendency. I have to make myself get involved in the crowd. So God gifts, gifts you, that's hard to say, He gifts you with the gift. He gives you that through His grace. And since spiritual giftedness is intended to be lived out in community, those who know us best can help us discover how God has gifted us unto service. For example, a friend may say, I'm amazed at how easily you can talk to friends about Jesus. You've got the gift of evangelism. I'm amazed of how you can encourage me through the scriptures. You've got the gift of teaching. Listen to what others in the community says, the community of faith, that is, says about you and the function you have as a follower of Christ. Number four, 
is serve. When I got my first BB gun at Christmas and opened it up, the first thing I did is I began to shoot it. You know, you cock it. And you, kept, you keep doing that until you get good at it. You practice at it. And yet the best way to learn how God has gifted you to serve as a member of the body of Christ is to actually serve. You may have to lean over a rail from time to time and let it all out. You may be a little bit fearful the first time you speak of Christ. You may find yourself a little bit nervous going into a crowd. But God is with you. He precedes you. He goes before you. He's empowered you. He has manifested His Spirit. He's anointed you for that time of service. And the best way to understand service is by serving and doing it. 1 Peter chapter 4, um, it, in, in verse 10, I have it marked with a paper clip, by the way. In verse 10, it says, Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. So if we use our gift, we are becoming the managers of the grace of God that is gifted to us in everyday life. And so... You and I are to serve. Start with what you're asked to do and see what makes your heart beat fast. And when it comes easiest to you, do those things with all your heart, with all your strength. We think God always asks us to do things we can't do or things we don't want to do, but that's not always the case. Now, remember these three things. This is what the Sunday school class we talked about a couple, three weeks ago. Three things about these gifts, about being the body of Christ. And I think you can easily remember this. I'm sorry I didn't put it up on the, on the, as a PowerPoint. Connection, interaction, ministry. You and I have to connect with God first without a shadow of a doubt. If we don't connect with God about the spiritual giftedness in our life, we don't connect to God about how we're going to serve and why we're going to serve and who we're going to serve, we're going to fall flat on our face. We've got to spend an amount of time, maybe an enormous amount of time, in connecting with God, and prayer is just talking to God as a child sits at the feet of the Father and says, Daddy, I've got something I need to talk with you about today. This is on my heart and I must get it out. I need your help. I need your advice. I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need you to be a part of my life. I need you to go before me, behind me, and, and, and circle, encircle me, hinge me behind and before, as the scripture says. Hedge me behind and before, and take care of me. And this is what I'm asking. God, I don't know how to do what you're calling me to do, but I know that you do. You have the power to enable me to do those things. And so, Father God, I'm asking you. And in connecting with God, we spend time talking with the Father, and we, we enjoy those moments of connection. And then the connection must move toward interaction. In other words, that's when we've got to start interacting with one another. And if you're ever, if you're ever in doubt on, say, do I have the gift of evangelism and you love sharing Christ but you don't know how to do it, then this is what I suggest you do. Find another believer who you know, maybe right there in, your, in, in the church, and say, can I practice, can you practice being a lost person and I'll practice on you and sharing Christ and, and lead them to Christ? You never know what's going to happen. So you begin to interact and begin to be involved with your spiritual giftedness. And you start doing those things. And then it's the ministry. So not only are you connecting with God and you're interacting with fellow believers, those of faith, now comes the test. They open the door and they say, fly, spread your wings and enjoy the sky because now you're entering into the mission field. You came to worship, now enter to leave as a missionary and go into the world with your ministry mindset. 
God has gifted me with this gift and I'm going to use it with all the enthusiasm, with all the vigor that I have because I know God's not going to, he's not set me up to fail. He has set me up to succeed for him and for his glory and for his kingdom. And he's already went before me. He's already in the house of the Spanish speaking people. He's already preparing the guy who's walking up the door who's never spoke one lick of Spanish in his life. And he's going to let him go through the threshold and he's going to lead those people to Christ in their language. And when he leaves that door, the language is not going to be in his heart. That is how God works. God is a good God. He is not surprise type God. He's a God who we are surprised. Yes. We're mesmerized. Yes. We are amazed. Yes. But God's got it all laid out. It makes more sense that that what you love to do for God may be the very thing He has gifted you to do all along for Him. God has placed a gift under the tree for you. In faith, it's now time to go to the tree and unwrap that gift and watch God use you and watch, him, watch God use you for His kingdom. So I ask you this question, will you connect with God and will you commit to his service, his ministry? They'll know we're Christians by what? By love. They'll know we're Christians by the hand because the hand becomes the service of God. They know we're Christians by what we do, say, how we behave, what we, what we, how we love They'll know we're Christians by the love that we have been connected with, the love that we're interacting with, and the love that we're ministering with. So will you commit to that type of ministry? You say, well, I don't, I'm shy. I don't like to, to talk on the phone. But you, ever, you ever heard of a card? <laughs> the post office still works, and a stamp still can carry the carry the card. You can do amazing things by just writing something down. Or you can pick up the phone. Or you can go by the house of someone and just pray in their yard. Or drive by and pray for them. You can do amazing things when you say, this is where God places me to be. But you've got to connect with God first and commit to that ministry. Thanks be unto God for the giftedness that we all share together. Every one of us are a part of the body. No one is less important. No one is more important. We're all equal and we all need each other. And thanks be unto God that we can depend on God to put it all together. Father, I thank you that you give us the joy, the privilege, the honor of sharing together as a body in Christ, knowing that you are the head and we are the body. Father, there are times when the body has difficult moments. We get, the body gets sick. The body has to go through surgery. The body has to go through healing. The body, ha body has to go through adjustments. But you know, God, you control this body. You know how to breathe life into this body, into each member and each part. And the importance of where we are and who we are are vitally important to your kingdom and your kingdom's calls. Thank you, Father, that we are privileged to be a part of that entire wonderful purpose and plan. And to know that we understand where Jesus says himself that we're going to do greater things than he has done. And we do that because of the multiplication of the body and the members of the body of Christ. The places we can travel in a matter of hours. The places we can be in the matter of moments the things that we can accomplish and say, the electronics that we all have before us that's brought the gospel all over the world. And even as I pray and speak all the way to Ireland, we hear people giving shout outs to us. Things are happening all across the country from Mexico to Canada and all the churches at large and how this pandemic has brought together electronic powerful ministries. Father, we know that you are controlling all this and we're thankful that we're a part of it. Thank you, God, for giving us the joy and the privilege of serving you in your kingdom and your kingdom's cause. May your name be lifted up. May your name be glorified and may lost souls call out to you.
And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Lord, have your way. 